Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Luis Torres and Richard Uden. Guys, how are we tonight? Good, thank you. Very good. Relieved, but tired. Relieved, but tired. All right. So, big, uh, big weekend behind us where we had a uh, NASCAR. And uh, IndyCar sharing the stage all on the same circuit, all running the Indianapolis road course with differing results from the three different races there where where we all ran the same course. Uh, uh, The IndyCar guys were first, followed by the Xfinity guys. And then the Cup guys ran it on Sunday. Uh, Our big winners this week were Will Power, Austin Sendrick, and A.J. Allmendinger taking the first cup win for college racing so uh good on him but uh that wasn't exactly an easy road to get there for aj so let's uh let's talk about the cup race first because that was the headliner and it was the one that was possibly the most oh what's the word controversial or train wreckish um (laughs) i i wouldn't even say those two words i call it a dumpster fire for the final hour and a half there you go before the before the the caution for debris in the close six stages of the final stage, everything was seamless. It's like your prototypical Cup Road Course race. You have Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson being the guys to be with Chase Briscoe, Austin Dillon, and Tyler Reddick with, with the latter of Reddick winning two stages through strategy. All of those three are trying to get into playoffs, and they know they had to win to assure themselves to get in. Denny Hamlin, on the other hand. All he just needed is a repeat winner or what would turn out to be later a non-cup driver win to put him in the postseason by points. Or he, he needed a win of his own, which he was really close to getting. Yeah, he was right there. And then the caution for debris happened. They bunched up the field with about seven or six laps to go. The, the curbs. Let's talk about the infamous turn six curbs that, that was popularized by Spencer Piggott and Chris Wright the the day before the cup race because people tend to forget. Yeah. We're talking about Marcus Erickson with Nashville, but Spencer Piggott was the first one that flew off in that cur- in those curves in turn six. People forget about that these days, but that curve was a problem to where apparently 
Anthony Alfredo on the opening lap, that huge splitter underneath got stuck in the curves. And then several drivers were running over it during restarts in particular, then caused some parts to explode, debris everywhere. And even stuck that they had to take it off to, to the moment I thought they're probably going to red flag this because they had to fix the curves. But no, they made it through okay. Then on the final restart, well, not the final restart, the third of last restart. The first of many. Yeah. The third of last restart, if memory serves correctly. You had Martrix Jr. You had somebody hit the curves. I can't remember who it was exactly. Ex- debris exploded everywhere. And then Martrix Jr. went went off and slightly made contact towards the tire barriers. Truex was able to get it going. It was clear as day in the footage. There was debris everywhere. You think, okay, Truex binned it. Okay, maybe if you get it around, we'll get back going. But there's debris everywhere. Throw out a yellow. No, they didn't throw a yellow. Further behind, I didn't find out until this very morning that Josh Balicki got turned by Eric Almarola in the background, spinning all over the place. That made me aggravate more. It's like, who in the world was that car that spun before all the madness, between the madness? It turns out Josh Balicki was the one because he got turned. For, well, he would be involved in another incident later on, but no, the race got going. It's going to be a fun battle between Chase Briscoe and Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Danny Hamlin, and those guys. Hamlin and Briscoe were putting on an amazing show. Both of them trying to get to the playoffs. For Briscoe, is Indianapolis. It means everything to him. For Hamlin, recall back last year's Brickyard 400, he was a few laps away from winning it until a cut tire where he violently hit the oval turn one wall. So both of them had a lot of stake. Neither of both of them want to win Indy so badly. Albeit it's the road course, but Indy is Indy in the eyes of many people, depending who you ask. As far as whether it's road course or oval, it doesn't matter. Indy is Indy. Then the then the, the mayhem you would expect on a wet, wetter day. You have Kyle Bush and William Byron hitting the curve. They spun. Apparently there's oil and debris everywhere. Then Joey Logano slammed the tire barriers very hard, and I knew right there's like, yep, they're, they're going to rent. They had to stop the race because the barrier is damaged. The guardrail may have taken a hit, and then oh, deluge happened without the literal deluge. You had, who do you had? Ryan Priest, Cole Custer. No, Cole Custer was after that one. You had Ryan Priest involved. You had like seven or eight other cars spinning and sliding into the barriers, into the grass. It was just a complete mess. So I think, okay, they're going to red flag the race immediately. No! They took them five minutes to literally stop the race. They literally ran a full lap. Because the way NASCAR throw red flags these days, if it's obvious, it's obvious they stop the race. Mostly for Logano. And then I noticed that the curb was completely destroyed. It's like, yeah, they got to stop the race immediately. No, they took them five minutes to stop the race. Fortunately for Logano, he was okay, but the curb needed work. Well, needed work because they ultimately got rid of it. You even had Doug Bowles, the president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, come out and help. It's like, this is not what NASCAR needs, period. This is no, no, it's, you know, for NASCAR both and to a certain extent, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the, the both of those, it, it, you know, to some casual observer, it's like, what are we watching? Amateur hour here? Every new, every uh, new, every venue that we had new has had disastrous proportions, except for Nashville. The only problem with Nashville is just the traffic and car reliability. Where you hit something wrong, you're going to slam the wall. 
But that's what that's what it was back then. You get that back in the day, where reliability in some parts of the track being so treacherous that it caused some parts to break. But Coda with the disaster of the deluge, Bristol Dirt being unorganized and disaster. I still still stand that it was completely unorganized how they handled that ordeal. What are the Daytona Road Course where they threw the yellow for whatever reason, just because they were expecting it to rain and ultimately it never did rain enough. They've been having NASCAR this season has had so many blunders beyond epic proportions that it's, it's absolutely baffling in my book. Road America, they did fine. They literally they had really no problems with Road America. But every other venue, it seems they have growing pains. This one had a growing pain and a half and then some. It's like adds frustrations. You have Daniel Suarez, you have Austin Dillon out there being not happy, especially Suarez was very vocal on Twitter about it. And I don't blame them. It's like they should have thrown the yellow when all the debris exploded all over in turn six and went tricks. Yeah, kind of, you know, it, it, it's kind of hilarious if you think about it because NASCAR has this. Oh, rep- loud rep- and two. Yeah, well, I mean, no, NASCAR has this reputation of throwing a yellow for a hot dog wrapper on, on an oval course if, if uh, you know, the leader gets too far ahead. But yet we have a bunch of debris uh, on, on a road course and we don't throw the yellow. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of the, the dichotomy there is just amazing. And and I don't know what has changed. You know what I mean? The Because, the, you know, NASCAR is always good to throw an artificial yellow. Uh, you know, it, it, hell, stage racing is uh, planned artificial yellows. It makes IndyCar but, 2011 officiating look like prime FIA. Period. <laughs> Gosh, it, it, Louise, you are riled up, my man. It, it's, I even told I even told some folks this, this is probably the most appalling cup race I've seen in years. And I'm not a guy. If I see people upset, it's like, OK, I understand. But this one, I cannot back them in period. This all this should have this all of it. All of this could have been avoided. All of it. Had a, had a oh, if they waved the yellow a lap earlier, it could have been avoided. I don't know why they were waiting, knowing the curves was going to be a problem. You have debris. You that's what you got. You got what you got. Yeah. So, I didn't, a, a so anyway, cars. at the end of the day, the way the race worked out, it, it kind of gives gives a lot of credence to the argument that why are we taking the cup cars off the oval when we've been running that for 27 years? And there were, uh, you know, some drivers who said they, they've taken the crown jewel away, uh, this sort of thing. NASCAR wanted to spice up the show due to dwindling attendance, you know, changing the dates here and there, um, having more support races. Nothing has really kind of helped the dwindling attendance, but I, I want to say this attempt to maybe help the dwindling attendance is not going to help in the future unless unless you're trying to draw the fans that just come for the wrecks because yeah. they were there. Yeah, you might as well put you might as well put in during the month of May for all we know because ever ever there's going to be a strong crowd mostly all because of the snake pit. Exactly, exactly. Now, Richard, you've been quiet over there while Louise has been ranting. So let let me get some of your thoughts on this, um, particularly, uh, you know, with the way the cup cars performed over those curbs, which are, you know, at the end of the day, it's something that the cup cars are not exactly really used to uh, because we've, uh, you know, traditionally had Sonoma and Watkins Glen as our road course races where we don't quite have those 
curbings and turtles and those sort of things there. Now we have them at the Charlotte Roval and on the, on the road course, but uh, we've seen a lot of curb hopping, but I mean, was this just a failed experiment to begin with or what could we have done differently? I don't think it's a failed experiment. I think if you look at it from a purely racing standpoint, I thought the racing was pretty good in places. Um, you know, before it all got a little bit silly and a little bit, you know, with, with the curbing coming up there, I think fundamentally, as I say, you know, I quite enjoyed the bits of the right. I, did, I must admit, I didn't see all the race, but the the the, uh, the bits that I did see, I th- fundamentally, it was was pretty good racing. And you know, the guys, they're getting better at it. You know, I know there was strategy, but do you ever imagine you'd see somebody like Austin Dillon competing for stage wins on a road course? You know, um, it's certainly getting better. It is certainly certainly getting better. I think there is going to be. Um, you know, teasing problems, for want of a better word, um, as there are with any track you go to, especially when you're trying to put basically a square peg in a round hole. You know, these current generation cup cars are not designed as extensively for road racing as, uh, as, as, as other, you know, like an Indy car, for example you know, or an endurance car, a Le Mans car, or, you know, an ALMS car, whatever it may be. So you are going to take a while to fully understand how these cars work on these circuits. You know, you're not building a track that is bespoke designed for cup racing. You're building a track or you're taking cup racing to a track that already exists. And... You know, it, it, it is going to take some time to get used to. That little chicane on the back there is just... I've never liked it, even in cup racing. I know the old track they didn't used to like, where it sort of doubled backed on itself, and then you had this tight right-hander onto the back stretch, and and maybe that little chicane does improve overtaking coming off the back straight there. But, um, yeah, that 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 chicane was, was always a bit meh to me. I mean, I just get rid of it and just extend the length of the back straight i mean i don't know why they 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 try and put it in there because this is exactly what's going to happen is you bounce cars over those curbs um but yeah it it unfortunately did look a bit amateurish and a bit amateur hour and a little bit you know or amateur two hours as it turned out to be um and yeah they could probably help themselves a little bit but you know i'm sure they go back next year that circuit will be you know, a lot more suitable to cup racing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if any of the cup cars actually tested there uh, pre, pre-event. pre I didn't see anything from no. anything NASCAR at Indy. It's like very rare, close to none, especially with the test, the test rules yeah. that they have. So, yeah, you wonder if maybe they could have, you know, given them an extra day, you know, a test day up there, or at least sent some of the guys up there to give a little bit of feedback. Um, yeah, and, the whole, you know, and again, we're still going into races with no practice and qualifying. Yeah, uh, there was qualifying in the cup race, wasn't there? Yeah, practice oh. and qualifying for yeah, Saturday because it was a new I think the new tracks they have had, haven't they? I think but, the only one left, if memory serves correctly, is, is Phoenix it's qualifying the whole thing, the whole package. I think it's just only Phoenix left in my. If I recall, because it's the championship race. Okay. Yep. 
Um, but it, it 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 it's it's just a little bit. Yeah, I think next year they'll be back up and up and running, and I think it'll be in a better position. But um, well, do you so, think, do you feel like like the next car, which honestly gen, re, yeah, you know, re- resembles a an IMSA car more than it does resemble it does, a yeah. traditional yeah, stock yeah. car. You think this is going to be better suited for the amount of road courses that NASCAR has uh, chosen to add to the schedule? I think it could be from a suspension standpoint. You know, they're getting rid of uh, like the truck arm suspension. They're going to individual conventional suspension that you'd see on a almost like a single-seater car. So uh, I, I think that is going to be, um, you know, more compliant to, to road racing. And also, I think what's going to help here is that... Um, you know, this year has been a bit of, or these last two years have been, you know, a bit of a sort of a, a, a sort of an anomaly for NASCAR because, you know, the, the, the teams have known that this standard chassis is coming, um, you know, for 20, well, originally 2021, now 2022. So, you know, there's been no development of road cars, I would, or road course cars, I doubt, by any of the teams, really. You know, some of these road course cars are like, five or six years old the actual chassis because you know back in the day they were used twice a year and you know a lot of the teams were like yeah well our guys are crap at road courses so we'll save some money and not build a new car every now and again they did come along and they did build uh, a new chassis but that was mainly for the guys that were actually competing for road course wins so you're in this sort of limbo state here for a couple of years where, yeah, they're getting more road courses, but they're not developing them, the cars. So maybe for next year. Now, when, when we look at this, what this concept is of a, a common chassis, it's just basically the, the um, core component of the car. The teams can still develop their own front clip and rear clip, which is basically suspension geometry and suspension mounting. So there's still a lot of a lot of independence there that the teams can do. Um, it's just going to be you know because the 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 main greenhouse of the car, as they call it, is 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 pretty standard anyway. So it's just they're all going to come from the same manufacturer. But the actual suspension geometry, the teams will be able to work on themselves. So I'm pretty certain you'll start to see a lot more development of the road course setup going you know going forward with the new generation of car, especially when they get into you know, six, seven road courses a year. Yeah, it was a huge jump in the schedule. They went from having two road courses a year for years to they added the Roval, that was three, and threw the Daytona road course in, that was four, and now we've got seven this year. Yeah. So, and, but to your point, yeah, why develop this car? Because you're going to shelve it. Exactly. Shelve it at the end of the season. So yeah. let's, t- let's talk about a race winner for a moment. Okay. Because uh, for the colleague race team, this is their first cup win. This is, this is absolutely huge for them. Mind mm-hmm. you, you know, that they inherited the win uh, when mm-hmm. uh, Chase Briscoe and Denny Hamlin had their issues, but uh, AJ Allmendinger, has, yeah. you know, he was there all day. Yeah. Um, he's AJ Allmendinger is a ringer on road courses. Dinger, <laughs> the, Dinger the ringer. Right. Um, and here's a guy who just had an interesting career. I mean, this here's a guy who, you know, started out in single seaters, um, won some uh, IndyCar races back during the, the cart season, um, moved to NASCAR, had a little forced vacation from NASCAR after some, you know, failed drug test kind of thing. And he's just been trying to 
get his career on track here. He, he, you know, wins the occasional road races here and there, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, I've, I've met AJ a couple of times and I think he's a fantastic guy and I'm really, really happy that he grabbed this win, uh, you know, which is on one of the, you know, most prestigious tracks in the country, in the world, really. Yeah. You know, despite being on the road course. So really good for him, really good for that team. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, you know, we sort of talked about this on the show in the past. You know, you look at what um, colleague are doing and they're probably, to, to my, you know, limited sort of, you know, exposure to NASCAR, you know, sort of going back seven, six, seven years, really. Um, you know, one of the only teams that, 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 to my mind, is actually, I don't want to use this, you know, take this the wrong way, doing it properly. You know, they're going out, they they started in Xfinity, they've gone from, you know, just rocking up and, and racing Xfinity races, learning. Then they started to compete and, you know, get wins in Xfinity and get in the playoffs and get in the championship battles and the like. And then, um, you know, then you look at the, the starting to, you know, move into the Cup Series. And again, you know, they're not going out there, you know, shooting, you know, overplaying their, 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 their hand, like some of the new teams may be from a publicity standpoint. They're just doing it the right way. And you know what? They're actually achieving things. They're actually setting themselves a target and they're doing it. And I know the uh, you know the team manager, Chris Rice, I, I've done some stuff with him in the past, and he's the most enthusiastic and energetic person you've ever met. I mean, he, it really is infectious if you spend any time around him. But he's got a core group of people there that are really starting to, to gel. And, you know, again, you, you look at it, you know, they're a, an alliance of uh, RCR. And, you know, pretty much every time they've run a cup race, I think they've really sort of put it to them and, and shown them what they're capable of doing. And, yeah, huge amount of credit to them going about it, as I say, the right way. Yeah, like I think Albertinger has finished in the top ten in almost all of them. It's like yeah. even when Cascarella ran to five hundred, they were serviceable as well. So they've had a good run so far in their cup ten years. They've had some good performance, whether it's Dinger, Cascarella, or Justin Haley. So it's good to see them winning that way. I know they got they got they were in a deep hole earlier in the race that kept Almendinger out of contention for a good while, but. The fact that he was able to get that, yeah. The fact that he suddenly goes from, okay, he's going to have an okay finish to all of a sudden, boom, he wins the race. Similar in some some aspects to what happened with Kevin Harvick in Montreal. Just wins it out of nowhere after Hamlin and Briscoe got tangled, where in Montreal 07 it was Robbie Gordon and Marcus Ambrose. But, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you've got a job to do, and and, and in, we all know in in cup racing, you know, they 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 do, you know, the drivers get their elbows out and they they make things happen, and you know, sort of talking about that, if we just want to drop back onto that um, that that incident there with a couple of laps to go on the on the restart, I mean, real, real quick though, to get closer sorry. to us on Almendinger, oh, yeah, I think him winning and Diddy is is a huge deal. I think it's as close we're going to see him run Indy because if I recall, it wasn't Almondary one of the few that decided he's no longer going to try oval Indy car racing following, I forget, I think it was 
Justin Wilson's passing more than Welvin or both? I think it was uh, a mixture of both that he's decided he's not going to run oval racing an IndyCar until again or anytime soon. But it's good to see him win in Indianapolis because the one time he had that opportunity, he did all right. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Last time he ran the 500, I think he, uh, it was for Penske. He led, 14, yeah, it, it, it was during his little forced vacation. Yeah, he, he led some laps. He led about 23, 25 laps. I had a pretty good run. Uh, I think he finished seventh uh, on that day. But, yeah, I mean, good for him. And the interesting thing about uh, Almendinger, you know who one of his best friends is? Michael Shank. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. for, for whatever reason, uh, those two guys have, like, a really good bond. You know, like, they're almost brothers. So, uh they uh, AJ and uh, Michael Shank kind of got together up in Ohio after the, um, you know, after the cup weekend, hanging out at the little little lakeside bar. And they were showing off pictures of, uh, you know, Michael with his Indy 500 ring and Almondinger with his uh, Verizon 200 ring. Um, it's pretty neat. You know what I mean? A couple couple guys, just uh, great friends hanging out. So good stuff. I'm sure both rings got 5G services in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. All right. Back to Hamlin and Briscoe. Sorry, Richard. Hamlin and Briscoe. That, that, then we must talk about the other, the IndyCar race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's talk about Hamlin and Briscoe because uh, Hamlin was not too happy. No, quite rightly. Quite rightly. That was absolutely disgraceful to my mind. That is... That is what's wrong with NASCAR, what Briscoe did. They think that that's close racing. No, it's not. That is bullying. And that is that is wrong. You know, everybody loves hard racing and, and banging doors. Yeah, that's fine. I get that. That's how it should be. But when you have a guy, and I don't care what he says, intentionally take out a competitor. Intentionally. There's no... There, there was no sort of like... Oh, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't like the Hamilton and Vettel thing from Silverstone where, you know, oh, it's a 50-50 thing. This was blatantly Briscoe punting off an opposition. And it was was old Dale Earnhardt senior tactics. Well, that's the thing. That isn't racing. No, it's not. I don't care what anybody says. I don't, you know, if people turn around and say, oh, we want to go back to the old days of racing, forget it. No, this is not racing. This is you know, this whole intimidating thing. Sorry, been gone. We're in a different world now. You people go to see racing, not that sort of disgraceful driving. And I mean, I'm I'm shocked that he hasn't been penalized or at least banned for races. You look at what happened with um, I think it was, was it Hamlin? No, it was Logano and Kenseth, wasn't it? A couple of years ago. When Kenseth a couple got, of years ago, yep. yep they, they got had a little... two-race suspension. I'm sorry, this is as bad. This, you know, we need to stop this. Because yeah, that, yeah, that's not very sporting. It is totally unacceptable. And there is zero defence for that. Zero defence whatsoever. It just... I When I watched that, it just, oh, I mean, I've basically watched, you know, I said, I didn't see all the race, but I saw the highlights. You know, if you sat there through the whole race and watched it and that happens on the penultimate lap, it's, you know, th- these guys show zero respect for other people. 
absolute zero respect for their competitors and the teams and the engineers and everybody involved in the sport when they do stuff like that. It's, yeah, there's no place for it in the sport. And I must say, I'm amazed that he hasn't been given a suspension for that because it was totally unacceptable. I was more angry at the fact that the, uh, over the, 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 here's to say, when he cut in the corner, I was thinking at the time as I was watching it, because I didn't see the full gist of the replay, enough because I was seeing it as it unfolded. It looked like Briscoe cut it. I was thinking, okay, maybe he has to give this position back to Hamlin, mm-hmm. as you would, and like, as you would. He gave the position Hamlin back, cleared, and when they penalized him, I was baffled because the mindset, because I think it's probably because I've watched so much open wheel racing over the years that, okay, the same thing applies for Nascar. You give the position back, no problem. Like with George Russell with the pit lane thing, he gave it all yeah. them back, no problem. Yeah. Briscoe gave the position back to Hamlin. No, they're going to penalize him, but apparently there was a rule that drivers were told no, under any circumstances, you cut the corner, even if you give the positions back, you're going to get penalized no matter what, which, mm. was, which I, I rated me more than anything else than what happened between yeah. those two. Because, but again, like, the, uh, that's the thing. These guys know that. You know, you almost imagine they sit in these drivers' meetings and they don't care. They don't listen to what's going on. And it's, it, yeah, it just, because they think that, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know. I they think need a Rusty a... Wallace to just stand up and get them at a, 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 a talk in front of everybody. Just to get, like, <laughs> if it were here, if here's the reference, 1994 Daytona 500. When they lost Neil Bonnet and Ronnie Orr, and he had all these series of accidents, even the stuff off track, you gotta give him a, a shot in the arm to kind of realize: look, face the music. If we keep doing this, it's gonna make the sport look even bad. And just kind of use their heads. So, but I, but Twitter I, I can Twitter can only go so far. You yeah, need but, somebody uh, to uh, say no, it publicly. Yeah. But they, the, the, Twitter isn't the the platform for this this yeah exactly um, you know debate. The problem is, and I may be wrong in saying this, but I, I, I firmly believe that within the generation of NASCAR drivers that we have, there is a huge amount of arrogance within that group of drivers on two levels. One, in terms of competition and... You know, they don't respect their rivals. They don't respect, um, you know, the integrity of the sport. And on the second level, they don't respect the concept of safety. They don't respect the concept of what can possibly go wrong when... Now, the move that Briscoe made on Hamlin forms, it falls into the former category rather than the latter. It was a, um, you know... Uh, low speed road course wreck, you know, Hamlin, the worst he was going to do was spin out, which he did. He's not going to hit the wall, but, but, you know, you look at some of the moves you see at uh, super speedways, for example, now you go back to when Austin Dillon won the, the 500 a few years ago. He deliberately wrecks. Uh, was it Bubba Wallace? Eric Amarola. Uh, Amarola, sorry. Deliberately wrecked him. Now that is a 180 miles an hour. Who knows what's going to happen? There is no way that Dylan, when he made that move, knows that he's not going to create an issue. Yeah, I mean, look the, at 
look at this was... year's 500 alone. Look, when a turnaround go bad, you're you could get collected. Yeah, it, it's, it is. It, they have this real issue, and there is you see it in their interviews, and you see it in the way they talk. It is this, you know, to my mind, it's a huge arrogance within some of these younger drivers right now. You know, they've never, you know, they've never, and it's horrible to say, and I hate to say this, they've never seen a driver killed at the track. You know, they don't know what it's like. You know, you, you they don't know what that gut wrenching sensation is like. And they just just go there and it's just blur. We can do whatever we want. And th- they can't. They really cannot do that. And, and, and It's and just somebody... only Kurt Busch that has out of the main uh, core uh, drivers. Yeah. yeah. But, but and, and, to your point. Yeah. But it's, it's that concept of, of, of what they're involved with. And, and I, I really worry that... They, they play up to this manufactured, you know, agenda, this, this whole, oh, you know, we want to be like the 80s when, you know, a guy would drive with a broken arm and smoke cigarettes while he's driving. Sorry, that's been and gone. We don't live in that generation anymore. If you want to live in that generation, there's plenty of YouTube videos to watch. You know, live here and now in the real world, in the real, you know, where people don't want to watch, they want to watch good, hard, close racing, not the disgraceful driving that Briscoe showed at the weekend. I mean, and this is a really sad thing because he drove a great race apart from that. You know, he was really, really good. You know, for somebody that struggled a little bit this year, I was really impressed with him. And then he goes and pulls that crap. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm shocked that he hasn't been given a serious suspension. It's incredibly disappointing. It shows that NASCAR just don't have the, the balls to do it. Yeah, it, it is an absolution. And that's when you brought up the 2018 Daytona 5, it's the core reason why I wrote this piece many years ago when I first started writing for Motorsports Tribune about how the, it's a generational thing and also how the, it's a generational thing because you used to have gentlemen drivers that knew better. They help, Yeah, you have your moments. They'll get frustrated and all that. And when it's, when it's quote-unquote necessary, they'll take action. But they were not in violent, aggressive proportions that we've seen in the past decade now. But but and and, and this, and this was just super speedway racing. Now we yeah. could put that as overall. I could re-release that article in 2018, yeah. Yeah. and you could apply it to anything today. Exactly. But you take and I'm going to you know obviously with my my background, I'm going to sort of jump across the Formula One. You look at the Formula One. You look at two of the arguably the the greatest drivers have ever been. They both had questionable reputations at the time. You know Senna and Schumacher. Both of them made moves that were questionable you know you look at some of Senna's you know where he took out Prost at uh, at Suzuka or Schumacher when he took out Hill and then tried to take out um, Villeneuve. Villeneuve you know but you look at this and they're remembered for those things in a negative light it's like a a, a flawed genius if you like isn't it you know you yeah. look at these guys and you say well yeah for pace and performance and results, they were the best. Now, and I, I may may upset a few people here, but 
Dale Earnhardt was the biggest bully in a race car there's ever been. He would turn people and wreck people in a heartbeat. Yeah, ask, ask Terry Lamonte about that. But he's idolized. Or Darryl Waltrip. Darryl yeah. Waltrip, yeah. But he's idolized as this, you know, everybody wants to be like him. Well, no. Yeah, the guy was a fantastic driver and a, you know, a, a, a generational talent. There is zero doubt about that. But you also have to have a certain something about the way you present yourself and the way you carry yourself in these situations. And unfortunately, because of that idolization, that's all NASCAR has been doing. Basically, again, and not being disrespectful, the last 20 years, what have NASCAR been trying to do? Find a new Dale Earnhardt. That's all they've been trying to do. They tried to have it, you know, they, they clung on to his son for 15 years and it never worked. So they're trying to do the same thing now and create this, you know, in, you know, an intimidator 2.0. Well, you're never going to get it and you shouldn't get it. You shouldn't encourage that. You should appreciate racing for what it is. And it's if you want to go and see, you know, that sort of driving, you know, Just go, Bowman Gray. Go, go to Bowman yeah, Gray yeah, or Demolition yeah, Derby. Yeah, go to Demolition Derby. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. All I, right. Just, All right. Richard. Oh, Sorry, uh, guys. Yeah, there you all go. All right, so, <laughs> so yeah, you and Louise are both pretty, pretty riled up tonight. Yeah, man, for, a diff, of, for different reasons. Yeah, I was gonna say, as, uh, as Ryan Newman would say, it's easier to tear up uh, uh, when he said it up, up front in the media bullpen after the Bush clash of 2020. It's easy. It's fun to tear up hundred dollar bills, isn't it? Some somewhere along the lines. Yeah, and yeah. and he and then a week later he ends up in the hospital for. A mixture of blocking Blaney for the win, but that was not yeah. intentional wrecking at all. But no, was... no, that was that was. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That was hard racing. Yeah, that was hard you know, racing, and that's fine. But again, I go back to you know 2018. Dylan, mm. I don't care what anybody says. Deliberately wrecked Almirola oh, there. I still and, stand by it. You know. All right. Okay. With that, with that statement being said, okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, make our picks for Michigan. And let's move on and talk about the IndyCar race and then the Xfinity race. Okay, so Michigan coming up. Louise, who do you like? Larson, since we didn't get a Fontana indicator, but I still think it's Larson's race to lose. All right, and Richard? Yeah, geez. I mean, I think he's hard, hard to go against Larson every it week. Is, isn't yeah. it? Uh, but let's let's go against him. Let's pick somebody who had a pretty, pretty rough weekend at Indy. Let's go with Kozlowski. I'll go with another guy who had a pretty rough weekend at uh, Indianapolis, and that's going to be Denny Hamlin, because this guy really needs to legitimize his regular season title if he, in fact, wins it over Larson So with the win. so um, All right, so IndyCar race at, at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road course. They were, they were the opening act, shall we say. I uh, had the race at uh, – about around lunchtime on Saturday, which really didn't help them in the ratings game. After no, it didn't help me either because I was asleep. I had because of my overnight, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and, yeah, dri- and also the driving exam was towards the absolute very end of the Indy car race. So yeah, yeah, some of you, you're out there in the me. West Coast, but I mean, when you're trying to, I didn't mind the time. It's just a matter of if it was on a Saturday because I getting off from work and also the driver exam. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the race. So we've got Will Power, 
who is definitely in good in need of some good mojo uh, lately. And here's here's a guy who's, you know, he's you know he's 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 way up high on the all time win list. He's second to Mario in polls. Um, just really having a bit of a struggle lately. Uh, but this is one of his favorite courses. This this race course favors him. Uh, the win on Saturday was his fifth win on the road course, and he he pulled it off in wonderful fashion. Nice, clean driving. I mean, you know, compared to what we saw in Nashville uh, at a wheel where he was accused of uh, taking out his own teammates, uh, albeit uh, maybe not intentionally. Um, the, the Nashville race was, you know, that's a, a memory now, but it was the the Indianapolis race was so much. Uh, nicer and cleaner compared to what we saw in Nashville, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, great win for Will followed um, to the podium by Romain Grosjean, who's yeah. uh second step at the podium, Colton Herta, who uh, again, licking his wounds after hitting the wall late in uh late in the race on Nashville after dominating. So, I mean, three pretty happy guys up there in the podium, right, Louise? Oh, for sure. With, Power, especially after what happened in Nashville, where he was kind of like the black sheep or the martyr of the whole thing because of the traffic jam at turn 10 with the first red flag. It was a huge win. It equals him with Michael Schumacher with most wins on the Grand Prix circuit. He's already surpassed Jeff Gordon for most wins at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course or oval combined. So he's and got he, that road and, course. And, and he passes Al Unser Sr. on the all-time win list. Yep, that too. And people forget, I looked at, I was looking at the all-time win sheet. It's like, Dixon and Power are not awfully far apart. They're like, what, nine wins, nine to ten wins apart. So, uh, this was, this was number 40. So it would be 11. Will, and I think, yeah. I think Dixon's at 51. Yeah. He's, so they're not off, they're awfully not that far apart considering Power came into this sport about five or six years after Dixon. So, the thing is, it's just the luck has not been Powers foray in his entire career. Yeah, he has an Indy 500. Yes, he has a championship, but luck has just been the burden of all burdens for Power in such all of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No power, power should have about three championships if you look at some of those finales over the years. You know where he he crashed at Sonoma that one year that handed the thing to um. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray. Yeah, that's also 2011. Yeah, Vegas. They just called off the race where he wasn't able to kind of uh, close the deal on a championship that handed another one to Dario. Yeah, he would have been out if they resumed that he'd been out anyway. So it was Frank Eater had already locked it up by that point, no matter what, no matter how you see it. Well, well, yeah, this is true. Yeah, but have that, you know, again. Sure. We'll never know about that, but yeah. Power had a really, really good showing, but he did have some. He did have good old James Hinchcliffe as a burden. Well, a burden for Penske that weekend because when Newgarden was happy with James, it qualified that it hurt his chance of making it to the fast twelve. And then Power, if one moment looks like it was going to hurt him, and then during the final pits off, I think it was Hinchcliffe actually exited ahead of Power, so it gave like Colton Hurt to some lease of life. You're thinking. Probably not the case, but you think maybe a little tactics going on that maybe it'll help harder to catch power. But then a late race caution, full course caution happened for Alex Pillow, who I was saying in the back of my mind, thinking Dixon had an, was having an awful race, Pillow having a good one. Pato is not ahead enough. 
And I think to my mind, I think, well, looks like Palo is going to probably win the championship at the end of Laguna or just by showing up Long Beach the way this thing is going. You just can't stop Palo. Three laps later, Palo's engine blew up, and the championship for a moment is more open than it ever was. So, Well, but, especially especially when you factor in that Palo is now going to have to take a third engine penalty of the year, which is a six. Well, it's going to be yep. a nine, nine spots at Gateway because Oval's is nine spots. Now, the IndyCar engine rule has drawn some conversation and some controversy after, you know, uh, Palou and Newgarden both got penalties. Um, my understanding is after getting all the data is that Palou actually lost an engine in preseason testing. So he literally went into the season with three engines rather than four, which if you think about it, why should the preseason testing engine malfunction count against your, you know, your allotment of engines. But if, if you look back a couple of years, uh, if you recall, you know, back in like 2012 or so, the, um, the penalty for bolting in that extra engine over the limit was 10 grid penalties or 10 grid spots rather. Um, it was simple so, compared to formula one where you have those obscure numbers back. Yeah. In the day. Yeah. So, but, but in 2018, they dropped the grid penalties and they just made it so that when you put engine number five in the car, you would gain no more manufacturer points. So the, the penalty was directed toward the manufacturer and not the driver or the team. Now, that being said, in 2019, Joseph Newgarden happily used six engines to win the title. And in 2018, the top eight finishers in the championship were on engine five or six uh, because they figure, okay, well, there's no more grid penalty. So we'll just go ahead and do this. And that is what directly caused the going back to the, the grid penalty. Now, that being said, all of this isn't Pelot's fault, right? So if you, mileage out your engines you're fine if, if you mileaged out engines one through four and put in number five no penalty but uh when you have these engine failures you know that's really not on the team because the team can't really work on the engine uh but but if you pull your engines early to make sure you have a fresh engine for here or there uh, you know so it's kind of a fine line but i, I think palu has been a little unfairly punished because he lost the engine in the preseason. So he went into the season with three. Now he's on his third grid penalty of the year because he's essentially going to be on engine number seven. Yeah. It would be curious to see how qualifying is. That seems like qualifying is everything now. It always has been, but now with these grid penalties, you're going to have for below, you're going to have to bank on probably getting front rows every single race to minimize the, the damages, which is not easy, especially on an oval that kind of, I call it the short track kit oval package. It's not the, the slim wings and all of that. They see it only at Indy and Texas. That's the first time we're seeing it in the, the shorter pack, the shorter kit the, with the big wings and all of that. The only time this season, because there's no Iowa this year, next year, highly likely we'll see Iowa again. So we'll, it would be more balanced yeah, out. Don't now. don't jump ahead in the program. I know. 
Sorry about that. We're talking about uh, talk about oval. We're talking about qualifying on ovals here, but oval racing. Yeah, last one of the years. So, but we'll see how Polo does. He uh, is because when I think of Polo, it seems like road or street courses stand out more. Was probably because that's just what we run now, more than anything else. But you gotta think this is gonna hurt Polo. It's gonna add more work to it. But it may make. If he were to win the championship, make it more impressive that he now he was able to get to showcase this car is really good no matter where you put him in the starting field. But we'll see this coming week yet because you obviously have Dixon who won last year. You get you're never gonna you can't count out Team Penske, and you certainly cannot count out Pato Award who's probably could have had a great chance of sweeping both races a year ago. Difference is we're running in the night compared to the early afternoons. So that's going to be an interesting factoid, along with the fact that Roman Groshan, speaking of him getting a podium and recreating the the meme where the third place guy celebrates like nobody else's business compared to first, second place. It's like, okay, we finished first, second, right? Third inhabited time of his life. He's going to run the Oval. And he's got a tight champ rookie of the year battle with Scott McLaughlin in spite of missing two races. And McLaughlin has not had... Does he started up pretty not noble, but all of a sudden he's just been relatively MIA, whereas Grosjean has been able to sh- shine best. And a Dale coin car compared to McLaughlin's Penske. But yeah, 24, anyways, to continue on, 24 cars will be on the grid. You're not, it's the last race for Ed Carpenter and Tony Kanan for the season. We'll be curious to see how Kanan does in the 48. And also you have. Takuma Sato, who won the last night race at Gateway in 2019, and also as a f- keep an eye on that weather because the weather is kind of muddy right now with storms and all of that. So we'll see how that'll impact the race or the weekend as well. Because not only you have Indy cars at Gateway, you also have the Camping World Truck Series who will start their postseason on Friday. But yeah, it's going to exactly. be busy yeah, Saturday. So. Yeah, very busy Saturday as well. Where if you have a problem qualifying, you might be in big trouble, as you saw with Takuma Sato last year at Texas. Last year at Texas, yeah, I had to miss the race because they couldn't get uh, get the car repaired in time. So, yeah, we, we've got a bit of a smaller field starting here at Gateway. But uh, Gateway, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, right, they uh, they put on a nice event. And, Louise, you were telling me they they are probably in line for a cup date next year? Quote-unquote, don't quote me on that yet. It's There's a... St- there's a couple of tracks that may be on the calendar that are going to be new for the cup series. What races will be dropped in favor of such new tracks? No clue, but what is certain is going to happen. We'll see by, by next week. We'll finally know which venue it is not for NASCAR, but for IndyCar based on some new partnerships that kind of will save a circuit that I kind of half alluded to while discussing about oval qualifying. Exactly. Yeah. It is expected that there's an announcement Thursday at 1130 AM, which will, by the time you listen to the show, that announcement will have come and gone, but it is expected that Iowa Speedway will be announced for the IndyCar series with uh high V as the event sponsor and uh, the Ray Hall group as the promoter. Uh, so that'll be good to see. I mean, IndyCar puts on a great show at Iowa. Uh, you know, it's this one of the few bull rings uh, that they run at. You know, we had a shot at going back to Richmond, and that 
disappeared. Uh, it's still, pandemic, it's still yeah. saddens me more than anything else that we never got Richmond going. And yeah, it, this one is not more of a dwindling in tennis. All it's just more of the, what's going on in the past year and a half with the pandemic that curb stump Iowa out of the calendar. But fortunately, it's very. It looks like it's going to be back, which is good. You you want to have more ovals, but the only thing the question will remain is Texas, and if there's any other oval of interest. They yeah, want. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's a few out there I can think of that where they could probably draw a crowd. Um, Kentucky Speedway comes to mind as one of them. Uh, but uh, you know, as far as I know, because I I kind of live right here in the. Um, I've spoken with the uh, track president up there in Kentucky a couple times. They they would love to have the IndyCars back, but IndyCar has not reached out to them in any you know way, shape, or form. I think that IndyCar is still reeling from the Dan Weldon loss, and they really are not thrilled with adding 1.5 mile cookie cutter ovals to the track. But uh, you know, at the same time, I thought Kentucky put on pretty good show. The market being right there between. It's, you know, the Kentucky Speedway is right south of Cincinnati. It's uh, a couple hours from Louisville, and it's only 90, about 90 minutes from Indianapolis. And that's the core market for IndyCar racing. So maybe they can make that happen. But, uh, you know, instead, we're we're looking at Iowa, which is, again, a very interesting race. Uh, they've had some good crowds. You know, they've tried a couple of different things at Iowa over the year, including being a night race, including they had, if you recall, a couple of years ago, they did the um, – heat race qualifying rather than standard single car oval qualifying. So yeah. Yeah. So Iowa coming back is something that's going to make a lot of fans in that heartland area pretty happy. And I hope that they come to the race in droves and make it a success like they have a gateway. Yeah. It's uh, I hope it, it stands out a lot more as far as Kentucky. I can understand the welding bit, but that's the only difference is that the banking is much more what you call friendly compared to a Vegas or a Texas and all that. But Texas is more of a like a PJ one or deal that kind of ruined the 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 style of Texas racing down there, if anything else. Yeah, I mean if, if NASCAR doesn't want to come back to Kentucky and, and they wanted to pick up the IndyCar series, keep that PJ one off the track, I, I think I think they would have a pretty good show because you've got uh, right now, you know, a, a beautiful facility sitting empty it's being used right now to house four trucks that are awaiting microchips that are behind that production to be sold and evidently they're making about a million dollars a month by uh allowing forward motor company to use that as a uh as a parking lot essentially but uh, you know that's neither here nor there so but we only have a few minutes left so and i would be remiss if we didn't mention the, the in-between race uh, at the Brickyard, which was the Xfinity guys and uh, Austin Cindric taking a great win there. Yeah, he held off A.J. Allmendinger, which Allmendinger did allude to in the in his victory, victory speech and all of that. Uh, uh, he, like, he was so frustrated because he was that close to probably being in the mix. But Cindric, fifth win of the year. First one, uh, now at another road course win for Cindric. Now this time at Indianapolis. Uh, speaking of Indianapolis, I got to bring up the old quote: "One step closer to the 500." And one him thinking, step closer to the 500. Yep, Austin Cindric going to get there one day. 
<laughs> you know, one step closer, and it just is. Well, I mean, it could happen. It just gave it a couple of years, but thinking back home again in Indiana afterwards, it's like some people were wondering what was he seeing. It's like, come on, man, it's back home again. How do you not know that record? But I, I'll tell you what, though, I think uh, you know, if anything. Uh, Austin Cindric, despite all the you know silver spoon comments and oh your dad and nepotism and all this other stuff, he's come he, a long way. Yeah, I think he's really proved his worth in the X- Xfinity series, and I, I think he's proved that he's earned that number two car that's going to be his next year. Richard, what do you think about this young man, Austin Cindric? Oh, I think there's, there's certainly talent there. Uh, you know, and I. I I think you're going to see the same thing with um, the young um, God uh, Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. Ty, Ty Gibbs. Gibbs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. You know, this whole sort of and Mick Schumacher and and guys like that. You know, I, yeah, I'm sure it helps open a lot of doors. Don't get me wrong, but also, well, real uh, quick, uh, real quick on Ty Gibbs, who brought up a good point. Xfinity side, Josh Berry is going to be full-time Xfinity for JR Motorsports in 2022. That's a, that's a talent that basically did it the absolute hard way. He's had tremendous runs. He's going to run the Michael and that's car again. So more seating time for Barry, a great opportunity. He could be the a, fa- a championship four favorite next season. Of course, I say championship four because some people will think Ty Gibbs is going to run away with the championship, even though I still stand as Sam Mayer is the more complete driver out of the two. But whenever Richards comes back to say his response, I just needed to point that out real quick, Xfinity News, and kind of keep an eye on talent as well. Absolutely. So Xfinity is going to be running at Michigan with the Cup guys, correct? That is correct. Truck series and, are and Gateway. The, tr- the truck series are going to run with the Indy cars at Gateway. Yep. They're all Friday, Indy cars all Saturday. Banning on weather, of course, because the weather is not looking too great right now. All right. So, do we want to try to pick a winner for Gateway? Let's see. Indy car. Indy yeah, because I, I couldn't t- even tell you who runs in the truck series. My bad. Truck series, John Hunter Nemechek, just to toss it out of out there and IndyCar I'm going to go with Pato in this one I think he gets it done I think basically we saw a year ago how good he was right away at that circuit I think it's going to bode well even if it's a night race okay and and Richard can you uh, can you hear us now or okay I think we still don't have Richard Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go okay so Richard who do you like for a winner at the IndyCar race at Gateway? Uh, oh, yeah. Let's have a think. Um, let's go with... I think it's about time for Scott Dixon to turn up, isn't it? Let's go with Dixon. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a good pick, yeah. And Dixon can uh, certainly just just pull him out of thin air. Uh, I'm going to go with New Garden. Um, who knows his way around oval tracks pretty well, and he's trying to get him get his nose into that championship battle. He's fourth place right now, uh, not too too far out of the lead. So uh, I'm going to go with New Garden, and now we have also Lamont coming up this weekend. So Richard, we've got a brand new car, the hypercar coming to Lamont. 
Yeah, you know, so Le Mans's been in this sort of strange situation for the last few years where, you know, they've always been dominated by Porsche and Toyota and they're looking to try and sort of change that and bring new uh, regulations in and new cars in and, and, and trying to try and create a, a, a sort of attractive LMP1 class, basically. And, uh, you know, these machines are phenomenal. They really are. I mean, they're... The second to a Formula One car in terms of technology, and then nope. Sounds like we lost Richard again. I do apologize to you folks, but um, we are actually out of time. So uh, this weekend we've got Lamar, we've got Indy Cars and Trucks at Gateway, we've got NASCAR and Xfinity at um, Michigan, and I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Spreaker. And I want to thank you, Louise and Richard. Sorry about your audio problem. <laughs> but most of all, I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out. But until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.